This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. It's Friday and so we're back with another episode of Good Things, the show where we talk to good people who are doing good things. I'm Dashan Johan and joining me on the show today is Imran Shah, Project Director and Ambassador for Hunger Hurts Malaysia, which is a youth-led NGO aimed at eradicating poverty in the region. Welcome to the show, Imran. How are you doing today? Hello, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay as well, you know, given the circumstances that we find ourselves in these days, we do the best we can. Um, but, <laughs> all right, Imran, let's, let's, let's uh, get right into it. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, I mentioned briefly in the introduction, right? Um, but perhaps you can paint a clearer picture for me. What exactly is Hunger Hurts Malaysia? Okay, yeah. So, Hunger Hurts Malaysia is a youth-formed non-governmental organization that is empowered to help eradicate poverty in Malaysia. So what we do in Hunger Hunger Hurts is that we follow a three-pronged strategies. Um, That is, we ensure sustainability on our beneficiaries. We make sure that there's education um, and also awareness in our efforts to um, hopefully to be recognized as a resource for change in society on the issue of poverty reduction. Right. And when was uh, Hunger Hurts founded and why exactly um, was it founded? Right. Okay. So it was founded actually five years ago. Um, I think back in 2016 by our former president, Faiz Hadzim. Um, and, and the reason why is that it was pretty random actually when he told us. So it initially started as a game between friends taking turns to help feed the homeless. But Little did they know that it grew to something bigger to where it is today. So um, previously, they were, they were registered under ROI. And um, now we, we, we managed to um, secure, um, to be registered under registrar of societies. So that's like how it has got into, like just, just like very small from just between friends and now to, an, to a legit organization that is registered under ROS. Right. And, you know, how do y'all aim to eradicate poverty um, specifically? What's your approach? You mentioned the three prongs earlier. Perhaps you can break um, each one of them down. Right. So, um, like the three prong strategies are sustainability, education and awareness. So when we talk about sustainability, um, we do not just want to give our beneficiaries uh, the, the quantity or the uh, to make sure that we give, for example, we, we're, we're aiming for to give 3,000 families this month. Um, we, we do not just focus on quantities. We want to make sure that we come back to that beneficiary the next month. We ask how they're doing and we make sure that, you know, they're able to sustain themselves. Even if, even if we don't have the resources, we might be able to find people to help them as well. So that is by way of sustainability. And... For example, if I can give you an example of one of our initiatives right now, mm-hmm. um, it's called One Meal Project. That is a two-in-one initiative that aims to help small businesses in Malaysia. So how do we make sure that we can help to sustain these struggling businesses during this, this pandemic? Right. We make sure that we have, we, we we're able to buy their food and and, and I think that's, that's not even enough, but um, we, we help them, we train them um, to digitalization as well. And that is how 
we sort of like go with the concept of sustainability in helping our beneficiaries. And um, in terms of education as well, um, that is the second strategy that we use. Um, in terms of education, we, we also have a, the, the people behind Hunger Hearts actually formed um, another organization under us that is DevX, um, that right. is specifically for, um, for, for, for education. And what they do is they help this low-income community, especially students, uh, secondary students and children, to develop soft skills like artificial intelligence. They, 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 uh, they give them exposure to that Internet of Things. Um, they teach them how to debate, think critically. Those are the skills that are needed in children and uh, youth nowadays. And that is how we go about it. What are some of the big projects um, that Hunger Games have? Uh, Hunger Games, pull up, Hunger Hurts, <laughs> <laughs> Hunger Hurts has worked on that aims on you know um, accomplishing this. You know, eradicating poverty in Malaysia. Perhaps you can uh, talk about some of the the projects that you're especially proud of. Right. Okay. Um... Right now, I think like what I mentioned earlier, it's called One Meal Campaign that we have, which I am the project director of it. Mm. Um, One Meal is like the, the thing about whenever we, we put out an, an initiative, we want to make sure that we can maximize our impact. So this is how One Meal came about. It's a two-in-one initiative that reaches out to small businesses in Malaysia by purchasing meals at a cost of only 10 ringgit, specifically for this business owners um, in the marginalized communities, uh, including the underprivileged, um, this, the disabled. And we also give priority to um, the refugees and, and, um, and the youth as well, the women. And so what we do in One Meal is that we'll give uh, the selected business a platform on our social media to market the businesses for one month or even more. And um, the food bought by us will be distributed to the underprivileged communities in Malaysia. So that is how it goes about in um, one meal campaign. Mm -hmm. And the project has started since April, 2021. And I think as of, as, as of now, I think we've helped more than five businesses nationwide, including Sabah and Sarawak. Right. So basically, um, you know, like this is, this is very interesting. So, you know, when, when we people talk about you know one meals and, and and things like that right they are always talking for the most part they are talking about you know going house to house or getting mm -hmm. like community to come to this food drive and then y'all give out the meals but this one is helping businesses so why did y'all decide to take um, this approach yeah okay so we've seen how the pandemic does not just impact um, individuals it impacts businesses as well that's right and we've seen closure of businesses like closure of business since last year it has become more visible and um, that is how i was inspired to come up with this project but at the same time we want to make sure that um, we were able to channel that amount of food to people who are in need as well so it's, that's why it's, it became a two-in-one initiative um, as well and um, yeah that is how one meal actually came about and, and even if you look at the people living in a low-cost community, most of them are informal workers. Some of them sell food at Pasar Malam, you know? Yep. 
And um, yeah, that is what we really prioritize in when, whenever we select our beneficiaries. Hmm. Okay, so I want to talk to you about you a little bit before we get into you know the, some of the pandemic aspects of the circumstances of of you know giving out food aid and all of that. So, for, why did you decide to join Hunger Hurts? I mean. You know there are there are various causes, right? Um, in in this yeah. world, you know, you know, it, you know whether it's women's rights and and all all sorts of different causes, um, racism and mm-hmm. all of that. Why why did you specifically join Hunger Hurts? Why why is this cause important to you? I think first and foremost, I've always been passionate about social issues, especially in addressing the socioeconomic imbalances in Malaysia, income inequality. Uh, um, when we talk about the gap between the rich and the poor. And um, I think since last year, we've seen it, this issue has become more visible to all of us, like as compared to the previous years. So to be, ev- to be given a platform to do that, to be given more space for participation, to influence even, and, and to give the power to spread awareness and possibly to make changes with this incredible, brilliant people is the reason um, why I joined. It's also uh, important to me because... On a personal level, I've experienced firsthand as a child being in a low-income household. And I think having like almost 99% of my relatives up until today being considered poor. And I think that is um, why I'm passionate to join this cause because I'm not only um, I'm not only able to help this uh, my relatives, but I can help the society at large by amplifying their voices, you know, make sure that their voices are heard. And yeah, certainly. Now, what exactly is your role in Hunger Hurts? Right. So my role in Hunger Hurts is that um, I was first an ambassador for Hunger Hurts where um, I'm supposed to raise awareness about poverty issues in Malaysia, advocating and amplifying the voices of the marginalized communities, especially the underprivileged. And um, right now, I'm also holding a role of... um, project director for One Meal, the project that I founded last year, end of last year. And uh, I'm taking in charge of that. And um, another role that I'm holding right now is assistant state director for Sabah. So um, we recently um, recruited a lot of people for Sabah as well because we're expanding um, our eight to Sabah and we've done like we've 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 helped like over two thousand families there and I think it's about time that we set up a committees um in Sabah. Mm-hmm. So yeah right now I'm overseeing um the Sabah issues as well as how we can go about in giving aid. Okay talk to me about that. Um what would you say because I think a lot of times right people in the peninsula we don't quite um have a full grasp or understanding of the conditions and the situation and the circumstances Mm. in East Malaysia. So when it comes to, um, let's say, you know, how people have been affected by the pandemic, for example, or just poverty in general, what would you say, uh, you know, perhaps you can paint a picture about the situation in, um, in places like Sabah. Right. Um, So, I think it's pretty much established that Sabah is the poorest state in Malaysia, if not one of them. It's definitely one of the poorest state in Malaysia. And um, before before 2020, before the pandemic, 
we didn't know much about what's happening in Sabah. If I were to be honest, I didn't even know what's happening in Sabah. But um, ever since I started to reach out to my friends in Sabah and um, actually try to connect them with hunger hurts and reach out to the communities there, we've seen how how bad the infrastructure, the conditions there in terms of, um, if you look at in terms of education, um, this in terms of like digital divide, like this is what these children in Sabah face, you know, and it's it's really bad. We've seen how Viviana struggled to actually um, get on the tree and to actually find a spot to actually attend her classes. And that's actually ridiculous. But it sounds ridiculous, but it's actually happening everywhere in Sabah. And um, those are one of the things that we look at, infrastructure. And um, we have also have a lot of issues of um, undocumented migrants um, right. as well. And this issue of stateless is very, very tricky because um, when you're stateless, this is what people don't realize and always slamming for no reason without understanding the nature of it. Now, being stateless means that you are not eligible for a lot of government help, like almost all of government's help. And how like, you, like and when you say government's help, you mean like access to public schools and, and public health care. Yes, and also in terms of like, for example, um, a one-off food basket, for example, they're, right. they're not eligible. For that so mm. imagine the living condition of these people that we see through videos um, from our members it, it's really heartbreaking to see and and that's why we also want to help those who are invisible um, and and to hopefully to extend our aid to all of them on the show with me today is Imran Shah, Project Director and Ambassador for Hunger Hurts Malaysia. After the break, I'll be asking him what changes he'd like to see in Malaysia to bridge the gap between the haves and the have-nots. We'll be back with more on Good Things, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Good Things. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Imran Shah, Project Director and Ambassador for Hunger Hurts Malaysia. So Imran, the pandemic, you know, hasn't been easy on any of us, but it is especially tough for the vulnerable communities like you touched on, you know, such as the poor, such as the impoverished. Now, how have the lives of, you know, the urban poor and B40 community uh, been impacted during the pandemic? First, when we talk about urban poverty, I think this is another misconception that our people like do not understand mm-hmm. is that, just because you live in the city does not mean that you're able, you're capable of, you know, sustaining yourself. Because we're talking about economic and social difficulties that they face in these cities, and we're talking about um, how the cost of living is way higher than their wages. And is not the homeless is not is is not is not about the 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 these people that that comes into our mind when we talk about urban poverty. It is the people who have odd job, people who, who are actually pasta malam traders, you know, living in a public housing flats or PPR. And we know that many people were, all, were already living in poverty before the pandemic. Like I said earlier, we just, we just didn't see it. Um, it's not as much as it is. It's not as visible as it is now. And from what I can tell um, from the groundwork that I've joined is that this pandemic has definitely hurt the working poor, especially those living in PPR. 
Because um, one thing we need to understand is that when the government implemented MCO or these work-from-home policies, I would say these protective measures actually overlook at them, you know, the poor urban workers, because for most of them, they are informal workers where they require to attend physically to do their work. And not working means not having enough money to put food on the table. And for these people, working from home is not an option. And um, that is why we need to understand the struggle of the underprivileged communities in the urban poor. Hmm. And and with that in mind, what are your thoughts on the white flag movement um, as well as the way communities have responded to it? Right. Um, I think that in general, the community in Malaysia has really responded well to the white flag movement. We've seen a lot of people um, helping each other, donating, even our to our organization. Um, we've received tremendous amount of help um, from from companies to, to individuals. And it's been really nice to see um, people coming together, the, the Kita Jaga Kita campaign as well. It's really very inspiring and that's what keeps most of us going. Um, but I must also say that there's also issues with people not understanding the poor mm-hmm. um, in terms of like giving help because um, I've, seen to, I've seen some of those postings that went viral on Facebook and Twitter about how the poor are being demanding for asking for certain things. Right. And yeah, that, that again is, is, is why I'm, I'm very critical about this issue because I think it's very important for us Malaysians to apply empathy and also understand why they're there in the first place. Yeah, certainly. And, and when you see, you know, people being, uh, you know, not uh, not showing a lack of understanding or empathy. Is it, you know, what, what what are you talking about specifically? Is it the fact that, you know, people give give the poor, let's say they donate, you know, a couple of you know, sardine cans and, and one bag of rice or something like that, or maybe way less than that. And then, you know, of course, the poor people are saying that it's obviously not enough. And then, the people who are donating are saying that, eh, eh, you would just be grateful, at least you have this. Is, is that what you're talking about? Yes, that is what I'm talking about because um, we've seen these people, um, say, the donors especially, saying mm-hmm. that, oh, this is what, uh, uh, why, why is this person asking me for meat and for fish, for chicken, and those are the things that I found really ridiculous. And I've also seen posting about how um, some of these people think that sanitary pads is not essential and they think it's a luxury, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, sanitary pads, um, period poverty is real and it's happening. And uh, those are the things that we've seen lately about um, poor people being, you know, the backlashes that these people receive online. Right. Now, now you mentioned period poverty. What exactly is that? Yeah, so period poverty is, is, is an occurrence of like um, women not being able to afford sanitary um, pads um, right. or basic hygiene for themselves. And it's a real issue because um, afford, to, even, to even buy a pad is very expensive, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, 
let alone face masks. Like some of them cannot even afford to buy face masks. Now imagine other um, basic hygiene um, essentials like sanitary pad, and it's happening everywhere in the world. And yeah, that is on the issue of yeah. of yeah. So when you, uh, when hunger hurts, when y'all um, do the groundwork, when y'all are giving out your food, um, or you know, and, and also all of these hygiene items and like sanitary pads and whatnot, um, what exactly do y'all give? And also, if let's say I'm a donor, um, you know, some of the listeners they are they are interested in donating something, or they are interested in going on the ground and giving out food um, to their neighbors or, or people in their mm-hmm. community, what do you think um, should be inside that that aid basket yeah okay so um right now we are partnering with um one of the organization called runchet mm-hmm. so they provided food basket that includes a lot of things including like um those uh, including fish chicken and um, also basic essentials like sanitary pads so those are the things that you think that is not necessary, but for me, I think it's very necessary because um, malnutrition is a problem between the low-income community, especially children. We have to think of children that live um, living in those conditions. So when malnutrition is a problem, these are the essentials for them. You know, being able to give, being able to eat chicken and. Um, fish and anything like that and then i think what the public can do is to really um look in not not just simply you know like just um, give away food basket that is just like full of canned food you know i'm I'm trying to say that they also deserve fresh food and um, yeah they can also consider that so what we do usually in hunger hurts is that we provide all of these items as much as we can. Um, and if we don't, if we're not able to use our resources, we will try to partner up with some of the companies. Um, for example, recently we've had Nestle helping us as well to provide Milo and um, baby food. So that's what we do right now in Hunger Hurts. I think that's fantastic because, you know, it's a nutritious meal shouldn't be a privilege or a luxury, right? It should be a, a basic a basic right that everybody deserves. Exactly. Right. Now, you know, talk to me, you know, a little bit more about your efforts and programs um, that you have been doing during the pandemic. Because I'm guessing, you know, I, I'm, I'm very curious about uh, how much have y'all uh, need? Uh, were y'all needed? Did y'all need to, you know, kick it up a notch? Your effort, I mean, you know, uh, pre-pandemic versus, um, you know, during the pandemic. I'm guessing, especially in this uh, over the past seven months of 2021, yeah. um, things have gotten, um, you know, especially tough because now you're going through as as this as the lockdowns and then the pandemic continues to drag on. More and more people fall into into this, uh, you know, this in, in sort of the zone or, or the level where they, they are going to start requiring some some form of assistance, right? So how did y'all have to adjust your efforts? Um, it's, it's very difficult, I would say, because mm-hmm. uh, like before the pandemic, we can always be there physically and provide aid. And at that time, it wasn't as much as it is now. We've seen more people 
asking for more donation. We've seen more people asking for, you know, <clears throat> there are cases where people are close enough from being evicted from their apartments and we've helped them. So these are the things that we face um, throughout this pandemic, especially this recent month in July, where we launched uh, with the white flag movement going everywhere. And we launched um, Hunger Hurts COVID Emergency Aid. And uh, I would say in July 2021 alone, we've helped more than 5,000 families across Malaysia. And this is the biggest uh, distribution we've done so far. Um, we've never we've never achieved this amount of like people beneficiaries within a month like throughout mm. our time helping in this organization. Mm. Now, as I understand, just um, switching gears a little bit, as I understand, hunger hunger hurts also focuses on youth empowerment. How do you all focus on this? Yeah, um, well, let me just first say that like. Um, most of us are actually young people. Right. I think I I don't think we have people more than um, twenty eight years old in Hunger Hits. Does this also say. include the founder and all of that? Yep. Oh, yeah, that's that's really cool. And, and because it's because the foundation of our organization is built by young people, mm-hmm. and most of us are young working professionals under under that age, and that is what we aim to maintain. Um, the reason why we go about into this idea is that because we believe that young people have the best knowledge on how to effectively reach out to young people. And um, for example, the folks behind Hunger Hurts recently from formed another organization called DevX Education, which I mentioned earlier, yes. um, to help the soft, soft skills of, again, another youth. Um, that is, um, again, we want to make sure that um, the needs of the young people are effectively addressed at all levels because we are technically the vulnerable group as well. Yeah, definitely. Now, what changes, um, Imran, would you like to see in Malaysia um, to bridge the gap um, between the haves and the have-nots? On a policy level, I would say that the government should really take into consideration of the concerns of the urban poor, you know, because we've seen unemployment cases rising and to also see the sustainability sustainability for the households as well. Of course, um, cash assistance that is given by the government is helpful, but I would say it is only temporary. And what these people actually need is something that is more sustainable, such as, um, for example, assistance to be fully employed and, you know, so that they don't have to depend on handheld handouts and i think policymakers need to figure out a way to find these workers targeting those in the ppr you know train and employ them and um yeah i think i think that's what um in terms of policy level how they can help to assist the urban poor certainly and is there anything else you think um the current administration can be doing to help the um, poor, particularly the urban poor, like you said, um, during this pandemic? Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, when we talk about cash assistance again um, Mm -hmm. earlier, when we talk about uh, BKP or uh, I think Bantuan Kehilangan Pendapatan, I would say that they need to widen their coverage so that they don't neglect informal workers 
in the urban urban area because right now the requirement is that you you need to be registered under EPF and SOCSO. So this will unlikely reach to the urban poor and the PPR residents who are, you know, mostly informal workers. And another thing that I could think of is um, the government should definitely introduce PPR rental waiver. And this would help them a lot, like a lot, because um, I think they've done this previously, but in a short period of time, I think one month only, mm-hmm. and I think they should really extend this rental waiver for at least six months because um, this the savings of these people have run out, you know. And with this help, they might channel it to something better, like to, to, to actually buy necessities like food. And I think this, these are the things that policymakers in Malaysia should really consider in helping the urban poor right now. Hmm. Now, do you have any uh, programs? Does Hunger Hurts have any programs coming up um, that you'd like to highlight? Yeah, okay. So right now, um, what what we're focusing on is our one new project, the project I mentioned earlier to help the small businesses in Malaysia and also to give food to the unprivileged community. And another project that... Um, that we, we are doing right now is Hunger Hurts Sabah COVID response. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Sabah is the poorest state in Malaysia and they have so many issues of poor infrastructure to the stateless issues as well. So um, that is something that we are currently doing and focusing on doing as well um, to make sure that uh, our aid is being expanded nationwide throughout the East Malaysia as well. And uh, yeah, that is our ongoing projects that we have right now that people can support. Okay, and how do people support? How can people keep up with everything that's going on with Hunger Hurts Malaysia and also, you know, either volunteer or donate if they like? Yeah, so um, for the people, you can definitely help by donation or you can even volunteer with us mm-hmm. um, and or any other organizations if you want to help other than Hunger Hurts like, you know, We've seen Happy Banco doing an amazing job, Refuge, Refuge for Refugees. Um, you can also help them. And um, if you want to support us, you can go to our page or our website at www.hungerhurts.asia. And you can see the campaigns that you like because we have a few right now, um, including One Meal, Kinda Aid Project, Sabah, Sabah Project. And you can see a lot of those projects where you want to channel your donation to. And, um, and, and if you want to volunteer as well, um, there's a form on the website that you can sign up. Um, yeah, we really need a lot of help right now. And um, regardless of like any help at all is really beneficial for us. On that wonderful note, Imran, thank you so much for speaking with me today. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. I've been speaking with Imran Shah, Project Director and Ambassador for Hunger Hurts Malaysia. If you missed any part of the conversation, you can check out the podcast on the BFM app, bfm.my or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan and this has been Good Things, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.